0: First off, happy Father's Day, everyone. I know that um, uh, for some, Father's Day is a great time, awesome time of reflection. For others, it's a hard time because maybe your father isn't around anymore or you had a hard time growing up with your father. So I do want to acknowledge that, but I also do want to say that for all the good dads, you know, happy Father's Day, and it's a celebration, it's a good time. And, um, you know, every father here today, Happy Father's Day. I want to also say some of you have taken in kids that are not your own. You know, you've adopted kids. You said, hey, man, I'm going to raise this kid. And then on top of that, some of you may have lost children, you know, at an early age or something happened. Uh, But I want you all to know that, you know, our father in heaven does, does love us. Every single person here, you know, you have a father. I want you to know that you have a father. You are not fatherless. You have a father. And uh, we just, first off, want to come into this uh, evening really just being grateful to our father in heaven. There are so many things that our lives could have, you know, just been interrupted by, uh, broken by, damaged by. But our father in heaven, I mean, even through the worst of the worst, he was with us. You know, he was in the moment with us. And all the things that we look at and say, like, man, I wish that wouldn't have happened. But thank God, thank our Father in heaven that it, it wasn't worse. You know, that our Father in heaven was with us, that we were able to keep going. And so I do want to, uh, you know, remind us tonight that our Father in heaven loves us dearly. And there's, there's nothing else that, there's nothing that could actually break that love. That God loves you. Our Father in heaven loves us. And... Um, yeah, as we go into this, uh, uh, la- or we're in two, two sermons left in this series, crosstalk. Talk. Uh, essentially, it's like this. I, I really believe our Father in heaven, like, you know, he pays attention to what we say. Um, but it's also something that to be reminded that what he says matters. What our Father in heaven says matters. And you won't find him, uh, you know, speaking things to you that are hurtful. You'll find him speaking things to you that he says he loves you. And so as we go forward, be reminded that what we're doing is we're trying to understand how to change where we're coming from, who we used to be, to be more like our father in heaven, you know, how he would speak, how he would speak to other people, how he would speak to people in our lives. And so um, I want to first kind of go over a little bit our last two sermons. So our first one, we start off uh, cross talk, you know, obviously the beginning of the series, we started in Psalm 1914. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And the idea is not that we would be perfect in our speech, but that we would at the very least recognize that God ultimately pays attention to and cares about what we say, how we say it, why we say it, and who we're saying it to. Matthew 12, 33 through 37, kind of the all-encompassing verse for our whole series says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. And so that's, that's a, it's kind of like a double-edged sword there. Because on one hand, it's almost like you, you feel this, uh, I don't know, like this concern of the things you have said, right? But at the same time, the other edge is that for every word that was spoken against you, harmful, hurting, you know, the things that were spoken negatively to you, God will judge them for that. And so it's like this, like, man, that's kind of good to know that God's going to take care of those people who were just speaking horribly, you know, including uh, bad who said negative things. And, and God's going to judge that. But at the same time, it's for us as well to take into consideration the things we say. And then the second sermon, James one twenty six. if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. New living translation, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. And so the question phrase was, how do we start to be led by the spirit? And the easiest place to start is to think before we speak, to pause and really consider, does the result of what I will be saying bring about the fruit of the spirit or the works of the flesh? Does this conversation bring about uh, or invite the Holy Spirit to our home, to our job, to our, you know, the car we're in? Does it, does it invite that conversation? Does it invite the Holy Spirit or does it push him away? And our gossip, we talked about gossip, will corrupt our ability to share the gospel. That the more we gossip, the harder it is to share the gospel with those we gossip with or about. Whatever controls your tongue controls your life. So if we allow the Holy Spirit to challenge us, to begin to you know, prompt us, don't say that. You know, that's mean. That's gossip. Don't go into that conversation. There's no need to talk about that. If we allow the Holy Spirit to control what we say, We allow the Holy Spirit full control of our lives because we're saying, Holy Spirit, I just want you to be invited into the room. I want you to be invited into my life. That's what we're saying. So as we go into this one, we're going to go into the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter four, but let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Number one, that, that you love us, that you care for us. That we're here today because you have a purpose and a plan and a destiny for every single person here. That you know us, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And Lord, we are grateful, Heavenly Father, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us. And we ask, Holy Spirit, come be with us tonight. That as we read your word, that we would have understanding, that we would be able to apply it, that you would give us the wisdom to take your scripture and apply it into our everyday life. Lord, we pray right now for our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world who are persecuted, who are in jail, who are not able to worship like this. Lord, we are mindful of them. We do not forget about them. Holy Spirit, be with them tonight. Let them have joy. Let them have peace. Jesus, we declare you as Lord over this church, over this message, and over our lives. We thank you for all you have done, all you are doing, and all you are going to do. In your holy name we pray. Amen. All right. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And so I got three different versions I'm going to read. ESV, a piece of the message, and New Living Translation. Okay? So first, the ESV says this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Okay? So that's the ESV message says, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word, a gift. Okay. New Living Translation says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So this is where we're starting off from. Okay. So let me say this sentence. We must listen to the Holy Spirit so that we may speak with holiness. That is where we're going. That is as Christians where uh, God wants to take us to a place of holiness, to understand that we live in a way that pleases our heavenly father. Okay? So we must listen to the Holy Spirit so that we may speak with holiness. So we have to learn his voice. We have to understand him. We have to know what he's saying. Uh, And a lot of this, you know, as we've gone over the other two, we're coming into this one, a lot of this may feel like a huge responsibility. (laughs) It may feel like, man, can I even speak? You know, can I have a conversation? A lot of times, some of us, it's, it's better for quiet. <laughs> it's just better for quiet, you know? Um, but I will say this. It may feel like a huge responsibility. It may, it may feel like don't do this, don't do that. Uh, um, you know, you can't, you can't be this, you can't do that, you got to watch this. And it may just feel like something like so heavy. But the truth is this. None of this makes you a Christian, Okay, none of this makes you a Christian. I want you to know this does not make you a Christian. Your conversation, your speech, and all that—that's that, not what makes you a Christian. That's not what saves you. What saves you is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. This is what gives you the opportunity to be saved. Okay, so it's not—it's not the the speech and the conversations you have, and it's like, oh, if I can do this and I'm I'm holy, then I'm saved. You, let me tell you straight out, you're not—you're gonna fail. <laughs> You're going to have those conversations and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I should not have said that. You're know, you going to have those conversations that you walk away and you're just like, I got to go repent. (laughs) It happens and that's and that's the part where we're able to know that we are not our saviors. There's only one savior Jesus Christ and because we are washed by the sacrifice he made by his blood are we're able to be saved. OK, so I want you to understand that we're not walking forward with this. You know, uh, I want to see works based mindset of like if I do this and this and this and this, I'm a Christian. No, the sacrifice of Jesus of is what gives you any ability to call yourself a Christian. OK, so as we're going forward, this is about that the Holy Spirit would have presence in your life that the Holy Spirit would have precedence, meaning it would be in control, the number one thing in your life. This is what this is about. To say, Holy Spirit, we want you to lead. We don't want our flesh because our flesh takes us into ugly places, okay? Into broken places. So it is one thing to know about the sacrifice of Jesus, but it is another thing to honor that sacrifice. And that's what we're talking about honoring the sacrifice of Jesus to say, Lord, I believe that you died for me and I believe that I'm going to, I can, I can be saved by what you did. I want to honor that sacrifice. Okay. A.W. Tozer said this, God wants the whole person and he will not rest till he gets us in entirety. No part of the man will do. Meaning, God is interested in all of you, <laughs> everything you do. You know, even in our hobbies, like even the things we, we just like to do for fun. I truly believe that God's in that. I truly believe He walks with us. He wants everything, everything. And, and if it's awesome to know that, you know, you, you come to church, it's awesome, it's good. It's awesome that you spend time with other Christians. That's, that's a very good, healthy thing. However, God wants every part of you every part of who you are to walk in holiness. So it's awesome that you come to church. It's awesome that you go and hang out with other Christians, but there's parts of your life that you're walking and you may feel like, well, this is this compartment. (laughs) This is this part of my life. You know, like I really don't have to talk about God here. Uh, You know, and that's something where we have to kind of change our perspective and know that God wants everything, everything the church stuff, the non-church stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I want to kind of, you know, repeat a little bit about as fathers, you know, sometimes it's, it's, again, we go back to the place about fathers. Fathers can hurt you with their words. As a father, I can hurt my children with my words. Okay, this is something that is possible. Fathers can hurt families with the words. You know, they could say something that as the father of the home, the whole family is hurt by what they said. Okay, this is something we must be aware of and learn how to steward. This is a great responsibility because the same way that you can devastate someone's life with your words. Fathers, you can build them. Fathers, fathers can hurt and devastate, but fathers can also encourage and build up. And they could say something that changes the course of someone's life. You can encourage them. You can teach them. You can love them. And this is why our speech is so important. This is why we need the Holy Spirit to lead us in that speech, in the the things we say. We need the Holy Spirit because we need him to prompt us what to say in those moments. John Wesley says this. Do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all ti- all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. And think about that. You know, I, I think about, you know, uh, <laughs> they didn't have YouTube in this guy's time, but think of it like this. You know, let's say you put something up on, on the internet, right? And uh, there's actually a few channels on YouTube. I, I don't remember the names, but there's some guys on there who didn't grow up with fathers. So they literally created channels to act as a father for those that had an absent father. It would teach people things on YouTube, like how to tie a tie. They would teach them you know, how to greet somebody. And these are guys who grew up without fathers. And it's something that I think about that, you know, as Christian men, you know, as fathers, what we put out, you know, what we put out in the internet, what can that bring about in somebody's life? You know, and then uh, uh, John Piper said this in this book, Don't Waste Your Life. It was becoming clearer and clearer that if I wanted to come to the end of my life and not say I've wasted it, then I would need to press all the way in and all the way up to the ultimate purpose of God and join him in it. In my, if my life was to have a single, all satisfying, unifying passion, it would have to be God's passion. And so that's one direction we can definitely take our lives to say, what is God passionate about? What did God teach us that he loves more than anything? That's what we can be passionate about. And that's where we can turn our speech. Sometimes we just don't know. That's the truth. That's the truth. Sometimes we just don't know. And that's in reference to those YouTube channels where these men are trying to teach other young men how to be a man because they just didn't know. They didn't know. And so they, they turned around and said, like, because I didn't know, I don't want someone else to not. No. And so the reality of what we're doing here is we're learning and and we don't know because we're learning, you know, and I I love the statement. It was so confusing at first, but then I began to understand it because I found myself in that position. The statement is, I don't know what I don't know. (laughs) And I was like, huh? But, but I began to understand it because it was like, yeah, there's some times that you just don't know what you don't know. You walk in and you're like, I didn't know that. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. I didn't know we were supposed to do that. And and learning as we go as Christians, this is something that I truly believe God gives us grace in. We just don't know what we don't know. We go home, we do the best we can as a father, and there's moments when we realize, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh, you know, I've been doing that wrong. <laughs> you know, but that's the grace that we're given We're also, you know, we should ask for forgiveness when we, one of the uh, greatest lessons I've learned as a father is to ask our children for forgiveness, to say, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Do you forgive me? You know, usually my son says yes pretty quickly. I don't know my my daughter, she doesn't speak yet, so we'll see how long that takes. You know, she might be like, no, (laughs) we'll see. I don't know, but I'm saying I ask for forgiveness because it's like, you know, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to do that or I spoke harshly to you and I didn't mean to speak that harshly to you or I even say I shouldn't have spoke that harshly to you. I shouldn't have done it like that. That was wrong of me. I apologize. I ask for forgiveness. And this is something because we're learning. We're given this grace by God himself to say, it's okay. We're walking. We're learning. And Jesus is walking with you. He's teaching you. He does not expect you to be perfect yet. (laughs) You know, after 40, 50 years, it's kind of like, okay, dude, (laughs) you just don't want to (laughs) learn. Yeah, you know better. But but there's a reality that when you're walking with Jesus, we're learning. And the expectation is for your heart to be open to hear what he is saying. That's the expectation, not perfection. The expectation is, is your heart open to hear what God is saying? We must listen to the Holy Spirit so that we may speak with holiness. Francis Chan said this. The point of your life is to point to him, to God. Whatever you are doing, God wants to be glorified because this whole thing is his. Francis Chan talks about basically the whole thing, your whole life. Everything about you belongs to God. You know, the point of your life is to point to him. Whatever you are doing, God wants to be glorified because this whole thing is his. And Paul goes on to teach us. We have this writing at the church at Ephesus, okay? So Paul's in the book of, we're in the book of Ephesians. So Paul is a writer, okay? So he's speaking to the, book, uh, to the church at Ephesus, and he's, and he's talking about uh, in 429, where we started off with, he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Okay, so Paul's writing to this church. He's talking to a church. That's what, that's what he's doing, okay? So imagine that there's this church in Ephesus, and this guy, Paul, is writing a letter literally by hand, and then he ships it to them because <laughs> they didn't have, like, email. So. <laughs> so he ships it to them, and he, but he's, saying to, he's teaching them, and he's telling them, you need to work on these things. You need to be careful with these things. But he's writing to this church at Ephesus, and, and Paul was not responding to a particular theological or moral problem, meaning he was not looking at them saying, hey, you guys need to work on this because I already heard what you're doing. He was kind of saying preemptively, take care of this. Be careful with this. And then he wanted to protect against future problems. He wanted wanted them to understand so by moving forward that they would have an understanding how to do it in a healthy way by encouraging the Ephesians to mature in their faith. So he lays out these theological truths in the first half, uh, first uh, four chapters or three chapters. He's laying out this this, uh, um, theological truths but then he makes his purpose clear in verse one of chapter four, okay? Paul makes the reason why he's writing clear. He says this in Ephesians four, we're gonna read one through three. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So he's saying to them, okay, this is the reason why I'm writing to you, that you would walk in a way that's worthy of your calling. So the verification of you saying you're a Christian, you know, you may say it all you want, but to walk in a way that's worthy of that title. Because you can say you're a Christian, that's fine. But you can walk in an unworthy way, an unworthy manner where people are like, "Mm." I have a funny story. I was with a a pastor and not in this country, okay, not in this country. So that's why I'm sharing it. But we were with this pastor and we were in another country and (laughs) very far away. And so this pastor was a little bit brash, rude. He was a little bit rude, just very like. You know, if, if the server took too long at the restaurant, he, w- he would be like, you're taking long, hurry up, like, like that type. And it was just kind of like, whoa, dude, like chill. I was a server before, so I was like, yeah, like, give him time, bro, relax, you know. But this guy was brash, okay, rude. So he would use this particular hotel to, when people would come visit, he would put the, the guests and the visitors in this specific hotel. So in this hotel, there was a guard, okay, so you, you, you had to go in through the guard And so uh, they kind of knew him, they knew who he was, they they knew his name, they knew his car. And so we're going in and I'm with my dad and my dad tells the the security guard, he says, hey, why don't you come to church? And the guy's like, where's your church? And he's like, it's his church. And he points to the guy that we're with, the pastor we're with, he says, it's his church. And the guard goes, that man? I died laughing. I was just laughing like, dang. His face was like, that man? And my dad was like, yeah, yeah. And my dad starts laughing too. He's like, he's a pastor. And he's like, that man's a pastor? Like he was in shock. And and it was funny because we my dad and I had told him, like, like, you sound rude. And he was like, ah, it doesn't matter. It's okay. You know, it's no problem. They like it. (laughs) And he was like, what? Like he, he was just this brash guy and, and honestly, like quite honestly, it was just part of his personality, like his nationality. It was just kind of how he, he did things. So it was funny though, because even he started laughing at the, 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 the humor in the situation. My dad said, hey, come to church. Come hear about Jesus. What he could do for your life. And, you know, in the past, and the guy's like, that man has a church? He's a pastor? What? He's in shock. And so what I'm saying is when I think of this, Uh, When Paul's writing to the church, he says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This is the picture that comes to mind when I think of that situation. And I also think, man, what would, you know, if I'm with somebody and they're like, hey, come to church. You know, he's a pastor. Would they be like that guy? (laughs) I really do consider that. Like, what would they say in that moment? Would it be like, oh, I knew he was maybe something with the church. You know, I, that's what I hope. I honestly, nothing crazy, nothing like, you know, like, I, I just don't want them to respond like that guard. I think back to that and I'm like, man, that was vicious. He was so shocked. But this is where Paul is creating the emphasis of what he's writing about. He's teaching us and saying to the church, uh, walk worthy. And this is for us to walk worthy that wherever we go. Everywhere and I, my, my wife Vanessa is at home laughing at me right now because she always <laughs> I, I bring up the serving time where I was a server at a restaurant quite a bit. Okay, but it's because it was such an interesting time. It was almost like this sociology class where you learned about people and like you know how they act and interact in these different situations and the reality was this the church crowd was the worst crowd Sunday afternoon. You know, it was like, who wants to work Sunday? Not me. They're the most demanding, least tipping. And that was the reality. And they would come in like, you know, like with their church clothes or whatever, you know, like all nice and, and it would just be like, dude, like you don't want to work Sundays. And, and the reality of it was that they, they were people that created a testimony where they went and, and for us as Christians to be reminded that it's good that come, we come to church. It's good that we spend time together outside on the weekends and spend 11 hours at life group. <laughs> it's good that we do these things. It's great. It's awesome. But to be reminded that there are those other moments that still are definitive for people around us, that they're still looking at you. You know, and I know that there are, there are moments when we do need to speak up, when things are done wrong. You know, maybe there's, there is some rudeness or something going on and we should speak up and and speak to that in a loving way of saying, Hey, this is not acceptable guys. Like, you know, we're here as whatever, you know, customers, but there's a reality to walk worthy of, of the title Christian. We must listen to the Holy Spirit so that we may speak with holiness. 417 says this, uh, through 19, I think we're going to go through. Yeah, 17 through 18 there. Okay. With the Lord's authority, I say, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Let's stop right there. Hopelessly confused. We don't walk with confusion, guys. We know who the, the creator of the universe is. There's, there's no confusion there. It's like, well, I don't know about this theory or this theory or this theory. It's like our God in heaven created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> we know that. There's no confusion, okay? We don't walk with that hopeless confusion of like, I don't know what to do with this or with this. We say, Lord, you are in control. I'm going to take some steps. I'm going to believe what scripture tells me, and I'm going to move forward in that. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. Close their minds and hardened their hearts. In verse 19, they have no sense of shame They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. In verse 20, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard, in verse 21, about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Verse 22, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Okay, let me just speak into this area right here. Verse 22, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. This implies, Paul's implying, that there is some action required on our side. This implies that, that Paul's saying, there's some action required here, that it's not just going to be poof, you know, you're holy. (laughs) There are some things you have to put away. Some things you have to pour out, some things you have to throw away, some things you just could give away. Well, yeah, you know, in a, in a, whatever, you know what I'm talking about, All right? But some things you got to get rid of. You got to get rid of it. That's what Paul's saying. Some things he says, throw off. Okay. Your old sinful nature and your former way of life. The deception. Okay which he talks about, which is corrupted by lust and deception. <clears throat> lust. Lust is, is not just a man looking at a woman, woman looking at a man. It's also the lust of things, like this desire to have these things, you know, th- throw off those old things, get rid of them. It's corrupting for you. <clears throat> it's not bad to have nice things. I'm not saying that. Don't, don't get all like, oh, I'm throwing everything away. You know, <laughs> I'm just saying it's not it's not bad, but it's something that it can't lead you. Okay, and deception. Deception is a big deal, guys. Deception, okay? If it's in your life, it's corrupting everything else. If deception is in your life, it's corrupting everything else. Everything you do is corrupted because of deception. What happens is we allow deception to creep in and it becomes something that is is it's almost like a I <laughs> I can't think of anything else. It's cheesy, it's lame. But I used to hear this as a kid from my mom. She would be like, "You know, if I baked cookies for you, but I put a little bit of poop in there, would you still eat those cookies? And that's the reality of like, there's some things that you're letting in, you're putting it in, and you're just saying, that's okay. it's not that bad. It's not that bad. But the reality is you're putting a little bit of this ugliness into your life. You're letting it in, and it's corrupted everything. And it may look and smell good and people may see, oh, those, that looks great, man. You guys are doing great, you know, but the reality is you know what's in your life. And deception is something that will actually begin to hold you back because you can't confidently move forward because you got some things going on that you know are wrong. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes meaning your way of thinking, okay? 24, put on your new nature. Put it on. So throw it off, throw off the old self, and put on the new nature. Create it to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Truly righteous and holy. Not just, you know, the look of it, but truly. And, and this is where it's a very personal walk we, we're, we're on a personal journey where we know where the Holy Spirit needs to work on us. We know the things we need to throw off. We need to put on something. Truly righteous and holy. And verse 25, and this just gets into the, 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 the application of it. Verse 25, it says, so stop telling lies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and, and it's, it's, it's not that complicated. There's no, there's no huge theological depth that you have to go to seminary for to understand there. Stop telling lies. That's it. Stop. Okay. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we're all parts of the same body and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Again, not not much theological depth there. It's it's very clear, very simple. Understand these things. Let them be part of your new way of life. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And essentially, it's like this. Deal with the issue at hand. Deal with it. If you're angry, that's fine. Angry, Being angry is not the sin, okay? But anger gives a foothold to the devil when you don't talk about it. You could be very angry. People can be angry for years, man. You know, like it's been 20 years. You see the person, you're like, ah, like your whole day's ruined. And it's just like 20 years later. It's like, dude, chill. It's, It's been 20 years, man. But there's a reality to say that there are some things we have to learn to let go. We have to deal with. We have to ask God for help. Verse 28, if you are a thief, quit stealing. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Most people would, you know, I, I've, I've heard the conversations of like, I'm just trying to take care of my family by doing this illegal activity. And I get, I get the heart in that, but the Bible teaches us stop and, and go do good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Because you know what it felt like to not have that. And you know how much of a help it can be when you give. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Guaranteeing, you, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. That's, I mean, that's a powerful scripture right there, guys. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live, which means that by the way we live, we can literally bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. He has identified you as his own. Imagine that. Imagine, just imagine, okay? Your favorite place, I just say it's a restaurant, you know, maybe it's a Chinese place. <laughs> maybe Mexican place, I don't know, whatever, whatever your favorite place would be, okay? You, you have a place that you love and you bring someone there and, and Bogolgi, a Korean barbecue, you know, whatever it would be, you go into a place, right? You bring one of your friends with you and they just are like, Oh, they're the rudest, you know, they're like, this place is trash. They get on Yelp. They're like, oh my gosh, don't ever come here. This has a B grade. It should be a D grade. You know, they, they get on and they just talk horribly about the thing you like, you know? And that's, that's almost like, just like a dude, like, I like this place. Don't, you know, don't ruin my place. This is my spot. Don't ruin it. But this is almost like, you know, when the Holy Spirit, he vouches for us. He says, you're, you're with me. And then we go in, and the way we act sometimes, it's like the Holy Spirit's like, dude, chill. You're with me. Don't act like that. You can bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness. Bitterness is a big deal, guys. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Do what you got to do to get rid of it. Rage. Rage is real. Rage is you. There are some things in us that we get so, so angry about. And we have this uncontrollable rage. It says, get rid of it. Anger. Harsh words. Harsh words. Okay, the way we speak to people, the way we speak about people. Slander. That's the talking behind the back as well of all types of evil behavior. And in verse 32, it says this, instead, in place of, rather, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So here we have Paul just teaching teaching the church, us, how to live and how to really apply this in some applicable real-life situation where we can just look at it and say, this is what I need to do. This is how I do it. These are the things I know I need to address. I know I need to get rid of. You know, there's areas that Paul tells us, stop doing it. Very simple. In verse, verse uh, 28, if you're a thief, quit stealing. <laughs> you know, It's simple. It's simple. But I'm saying this because some of us just didn't know we weren't supposed to, you know, do that. Some of us didn't know. We just need to stop. But as we begin to walk forward, we begin to understand and we begin to know that the Holy Spirit is dealing with us. We begin to know that we're here. We're going to church. We're hearing this message. We're learning these things for a reason, because it's not me trying to convict you and say, hey, live this way, guys, because I say so. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you saying, hey, live this way because I love you. I know you. You're mine. You walk with me. Everywhere we go, you represent me. Everything you do, I'm with you, and I see the things you're doing, and I need you to stop doing some of those things. I need you to change some of those things because you're with me. Living as a Christian, as a people desiring to please God more than the world around us. That's our desire, to please God more than anything else. Like, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter who's out, who else is doing whatever. Our number one desire to say, Lord, am I making you happy with the way I'm living? That's it. Am I living in a way that, that you're happy with me? We can never truly share the gospel until the gospel has penetrated our hearts and is evidenced by the fruits of our life that's the reality. When the gospel penetrates your heart, okay, there's an evidence that happens in your life. You give up some things because you know, I don't need that. I don't need to do that anymore. We must listen to the Holy Spirit so that we may speak with holiness. Let's stand. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. I'm just going to read this scripture, then Pastor Mancha is going to come up. Ephesians 4 through 3, Paul says this, and I want you to really let this let this speak to you. This is just scripture. This is not me saying this. This is literally the Bible speaking to us, the Holy Spirit speaking through the word of God. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. This man was imprisoned prison. And he felt it so urgent to say this. He urged you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We must listen to the Holy Spirit so that we may speak with holiness.